0: However, an indó was not
1: нормально. And I an end an an a chacht to give a little bit about what happened len me. ICHOE IT COUNTER
0: I'VE BEEN ABLE ara igornamion might
1: take an
2: opportunity to take a callejav to dig it for fracht interactivity C Flying
1: The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast.
2: And for the fourth time, Ireland are Grand Slam champions for 2023. Guinness Six Nations champions on an afternoon that will never be forgotten in Dublin
0: hello and welcome to the left wing well ireland have done it they've made history by winning a grand slam in dublin for the first time ever what an evening it was here at the aviva stadium with that 29 points to 16 win over england well rory o'connor and keen tracy are here with me well we've managed to find a quite part of the media tribune here lads but worry firstly i mean what a privilege it was to be here and witness history being made tonight
1: what we witnessed out there is something that Lansdowne Road and its hundred odd years of history has never seen before. An Irish team winning a Grand Slam with their the fourth bonus point win out of five. They really should have had five, the perfect set. 25 yeah. out of 25, but we won't quibble too much about it. Home crowds, who all the stuff that went with it. Johnny Sexton's final Six Nations game, possibly Keane Healy's as well. Him breaking the record. He's been saying over and over again that this is the stuff dreams are made of. I don't even think people dream dreams are this ambitious this was a a magic night in so many ways and I think it got to the team over the course of the 80 minutes but they once again found a way to win a game that was looking like it might get away from them at different times and it's a mark of the calibre of of performer that they are that they were able to wrest control of the game the red card and everything we'll get into I'm sure there was a lot going on out there but when the moment came, they were able to strike, they were able to score, they took their chances when they were offered eventually. I think they could have made life a little bit more comfortable for themselves, but maybe it would have been a bit more boring that way. It was, it was a, a dramatic as well as everything else, and you just got to sit back and admire what they've done over the course of the last couple of months. Over the last year, what Andy Farrell has done with this team, it's an incredible achievement. The one that will go down in history, uh, the history of Irish rugby, the history of Irish sport, is one of the greats.
0: And it was that fairy tale finale for Johnny Sexton, his last Six Nations game here. It all came true.
2: It did, yeah. I suppose when he was walking off, though, I think the, the one thing that was in his head was how long was he going to be out for. He didn't want to be
0: taken off either. He was like, yeah, I'm walking off myself. He didn't,
2: <laughs> and actually Dave Kelly, our colleague, was sitting behind me and he kind of pointed out straight away that he could hear in the ref mic that Johnny Sexton was going while he was on the ground. How long am I going to be out for? How long am I going to be out for? So I think that just gives you a, a small little insight into his mindset. Of course, you know, he did, at that stage, the Grand Slam... I was pretty secure. I think Rod, you were sitting next to me. I think you were getting a bit, uh, you were getting a bit nervy throughout. But um, I was fairly confident. Were <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I was. Yeah. I think in Murrayfield, even last weekend, like to have come through all that they did. Um, I just think you have such belief in this team at the moment, and I agree with Rod. They weren't at their best, but they found a way. But just back to to Johnny Sexton. Yeah, like he's coming off, and he's going he's trying to take in I think the standing ovation that he got from the crowd as well as the Arden bench and it was a massive massive moment but a massive part of it in his head was going to be you know am I going to miss games for Leinster you know he wants to have the fairy tale finish with Leinster there's plenty of games coming up for them as well and obviously the World Cup and that was the big kind of takeaway I think from the, the press conferences afterwards how Andy Farrell turned around and he said that um just before they came into the room that he'd said to Johnny we've got bigger fish to fry than this and that's the kind of the overriding sense of course Ireland are going to you know cherish this and appreciate it because it's so rare only the fourth time ever the country have won it but it's just a little insight into Andy Farrell's mind isn't he they're going to enjoy this for the next few days but really it's all about the World Cup and you know if they'd had a bad Six Nations there would have been question marks going in there now they're going to in with a target on their back but as they've shown not just true to Six Nations, but also in New Zealand last year that they're able to handle the pressure. Now you know, different kind of the pressure is going to come in the autumn. And I go back to what Rob Kearney said to James Ryan after the 2018 Grand Slam that you know you've got to appreciate these kind of moments because they just don't come around that often. I think guys like Ian Healy, Johnny Sexton will be driving that mess, You know, like you guys like Matt Hanson only made his debut for Ireland last year and he's winning a Grand Slam. So I think that's really important that the players go out and up oh, by all sounds that they're going to go out tonight and they're they're going to enjoy it and fully deserving of it. Yeah.
0: Rory, you mentioned there how relaxed even that um, Andy Farrell was in the post-match press conference there. But what about the job that he's done a few years ago? He got an awful lot of stick for, you know, the way he started off with Ireland. And look what he's done now. A series win in New Zealand, number one ranked team in the world, and a first ever Grand Slam in Dublin.
1: Like, it's two years almost to the day since he, he was going into a game against England where people called him for his head. You know, that... that not not a lot, but some prominent pundits were, were saying that they don't see it getting better, and it's time to make make a decision for the IRFU. I don't think any of us were here were making that call, but I think we all worried that things were going in a, in a difficult direction for the team. They had an awful habit of running the ball at the touch, uh, and it, like, you were kind of wondering what was going to, what was happening with their attacking platform. But there was a plan, and they won against England a couple of years ago. One of the players who who was key to that win two years ago, Jack Conan was one of the reasons they won the game today a guy who comes off the bench having been displaced by Caelan Dorris who's arguably been the best number 8 in the world and a player like Jack Conan who was brilliant off the bench last week didn't earn his place back comes out today that offload incredible Incredible. offload but it wasn't just that it was just Mm -hmm. everything he did he had an impact to it and I think it's a measure of what Farrell has done. that He can drop a player at Jack Conan, but Jack Conan still wants to play for him. Johnny Sexton said one of the great things that Farrell has been able to do is that even the lads who don't get picked still love him. But he hasn't changed since he was How does he do goes. that? He, I think he treats them all like adults, hmm. he treats them like grown ups. It's a, like little touches. Having the families in yesterday, the families on the pitch today, all of the things he's done to. to decompress the environment. Look, I think there's a habit with all, well a lot of us and and a lot of the players even, and even the coaches, everything sounds like it's a drive by on Joe Schmidt when you're talking about how great Andy Farrell is. And I, I, you know, Joe, the team wouldn't be able to do what they're doing today without Joe Schmidt and the year that he had in charge, but it went stale and a lot of the, the, the compression, the pressure that was on the players, didn't allow them to perform in 2019 and why i have less fear about them this time around is because farrell is empowering them to perform and what the way he's built this environment and learned from all the mistakes that he thought he saw along, along the way with farrell and um, are setting this team up to succeed and to be relaxed and be and he's relaxed and they feed off that energy and he he wants adversity he, he wants them to show their character he wants them to show who they are i'm sure he was worried today but they problem solved their way out of it there was times in that game where it looked like it was getting away from yeah, him. Yeah, like,
0: how t- worried were you, uh, Key mentioned it there.
1: He's wearing a Murray field last week as well, <laughs> i like the captain. <Camden>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, maybe I'm a little bit of a natural worry. And maybe because, like, he was in New Zealand, he saw it 1st and in the OCD, I wasn't there. I still have this, probably, legacy of being, you know, being Irish, that you just have okay, this fear. A bit this,
0: like, so. I a bit.
1: Now, I thought when, he, when, in the first 10 minutes of the second half, first 20 minutes of the second half, when England went to the air, when they were slowing the game down and Ireland couldn't, they started playing the way England wanted them to play, they were kicking the ball away, I could see Ellis Gend was walking but Ireland didn't seem to be able to identify them, was the English players were really struggling with the pace of the game when they upped it, but they couldn't up it themselves, but when, I think Cohen coming on was a big catalyst for this, like Ryan Baird, unbelievable, players like Ryan Baird, Dan Sheehan, relatively new to the international scene, dominating and wresting control of the game back. To, to, to their team and they found a way and, look I was concerned, I don't think I, I, I was, I, think I always thought they could find a way but they have to find it, it wasn't going to happen for them today, England brought an awful lot to the party, asked them huge questions, managed Manitou win winning collisions early on, they defended their way through that but they went 6 nil down, they're usually front runners, they don't usually have to come from behind, they were asked questions today by an English team who are full of good players but haven't been playing well but England performed today and forced Ireland to find a way through and it's all credit to them but
2: it's, it's so much better that they had to figure this out than to just have a procession a procession would have been boring it's
0: made it sweeter almost absolutely yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, it's, it's it's not, yeah I was just going to make that point it, it makes it sweeter but again if you're looking forward it's more valuable that they came through these last right. two weeks you know if they'd gone over to Murrayfield and you know Scotland had rolled over then that wasn't going to be much use to come through a game like this and England were far far better today than they were against France last week so again, if if you think a bigger picture it's so valuable and rod you were mentioning a couple of players i thought vodiaki was mm-hmm. You know, he's had some brilliant, brilliant days in, in an Ireland jersey, so I'm kind of slow to just say that it was his, his best game for Ireland, but I thought he was exceptional. Like, a proper, proper big game performance. I thought Peter O'Mahony emptied himself again, who, by the way, has had an outstanding six and I think James Ryan again, like, all these guys, like Johnny Sexton, you know, these kind of guys get the headlines, but I think there's guys in the pack there who have really, really set the the platform. It's just been incredible. Like, we, I got to go down onto the pitch at the end and... We never get to on the pitch, obviously, and it was incredible to be down there. So, Shane, you know from a previous life and being down there doing interviews and stuff, so you have a way better sense of that. But being down there in the pitch and watching the players do their lap of honour um, was just remarkable. I think you get a sense of more of the occasion when you're down on the pitch, because obviously we're high up in the stand and you, you don't really get a, a true sense of the vastness of the stadium and things like that. And as the players were walking around, you could just see the glisten of the gold medals were on their neck, The emotion was incredible. I know we're going to hear from a couple of the guys who I got to catch up with, but the emotion on their faces, um, it was in the immediate aftermath, like 10, 15 minutes. They were really struggling to to put into words what it meant. Like, I mean, you know, it goes back to the point that these are really special times that, like, supporters as well as the players should cherish.
0: Yeah, and one of the guys uh, you mentioned, Rory, was Ryan Baird, and he's one of the guys you spoke to. And do you remember the time he got that turnover? Uh, Sexton kicked in it led to the five meter scrum and then uh, Robbie Henshaw went over the try just thought that was a pivotal moment so tell us the guys we're going to hear from now Keane.
2: Yeah we're going to hear from Ryan Baird I actually asked him about that moment and um, I won't spoil it uh, we can talk about it after the, the listeners hear it but he came out with a cracking line so listen out for that uh, I spoke to Ryan Baird who's a, just a fascinating character I thought tonight was a real coming-of-age mm-hmm. performance for Ryan Baird I uh, thought he was outstanding couple of little errors but that's to be expected but he was very good uh, I also got a chance to speak to Ross Byrne who I'm sure listeners will hear in his voice how emotional he was you know the journey that he's had from a personal point of view you'll hear how much it meant to him and I also spoke to Josh van der Fleer. what a few months it's been for the World Player of the Year he made his 50th cap, won his 50th cap tonight in front of his family and family is hugely important as well as you'll hear him talking about now he hasn't been to a few games in the last couple of years so I weren't sure how many if he gets any more games but incredibly special to have him here it really means Huge man. It's quite emotional running out at the start knowing that he was there and all my family were watching. It was very special. I remember watching the Triple Crown when I was younger and that was just the biggest deal ever. I remember going to Lansdowne Road with my dad and my brother and um, so is a bit of a bigger deal than that but it's incredible special to be on the field here and be a part of it and I'm very grateful. I suppose there was times where I thought I'd never be here uh, again, you know what I mean? And am to be here today and uh, it's right really I'm trying to sink it in at the moment, it's, uh, it's a bit surreal, you know. You come off the pitch and you just think
1: about all the work you've done over the last, I don't know, two, three years and how it accumulates to, to a performance. Like, you know, our first half was we weren't happy when we came in, but second half we, you know, we, we put our foot down and we and we executed on a couple of plays.
2: And, your turnover in the middle of to try you felt like a big, big moment. The lads kicked on from
1: there. <sighs> do you know what? I saw it and I thought, like, oh, this is what Tyke Byrne would do. So <laughs> I just did what he would do. So I'm taking no credit there. <laughs> I just copy him.
2: Yeah, so Ryan Baird there saying that um, he thought of Ty Byrne when he went for that uh, poach. He said, well, I'm playing instead of Ty Byrne, so I need to go and, you know, be Ty Byrne here. I thought that was a really nice moment. I mean, guys like Ty Byrne and Gary Ringrose aren't, you know, able to, to finish off the job tonight. But what a job they did in terms of getting to, to Ireland here in the first place. And it was fitting that the whole squad was here. I mean, you saw Ian Henderson was in a sling, Findy Bealham, and even a guy like Jamie Osborne were knee breaks braces on the pitch but it was so important I think to, to, for the wider group to feel part of this. I think that goes back to the point that Rod made earlier in terms of inviting the families in but also having the wider squad because even guys like Jamie Osborne, Kieran Frawley, Gavin Coombs, like they didn't get to play but they're the ones running and training you know against these guys as your Englands, as your Scotlands. That's a huge huge job. It's not glamorous but someone has to do it and like Rod says everyone is buying into it. So the collective of this group I think is the most impressive. There's outstanding individuals, but their collective power and that just has shown, hasn't it, over the last couple of weeks in terms of guys dropping out, guys dropping in, and it hasn't made a difference to the overall performance.
0: Uh, one of the big talking points of worry was obviously the right card to Freddie
1: Stewart was it the right call. I thought it was, and I, I've seen an awful lot of people say it wasn't, and that led me to kind of question it. I thought Andy Brow was interesting. He said, um "What did he say? It was the." He, he did say he felt sorry for Freddie Stewart, but he kind of said it was the right call, but he was almost... Was it wasn't uh,
0: like, there's the rules type thing? There was right? the rules,
1: and I think it was more that, yeah, he didn't want to be seen to be critical, and like, Steve Bortman completely avoided the question, as he always surprise, was. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, <laughs> I, he was <laughs> brutal. Like, uh, he's so, I, sorry, it's so uninspiring, Steve Bortman, like, I find his press conference very uncomfortable, really. Uh, I, th- I thought it was, I think, as, long, as soon as you make forceful contact to the head in the way um, Stewart did to Keenan you you were in trouble and people will say what's he supposed to do how's he supposed to get out of the way like, he does turn his body into Keenan I, mean, I thought it was his elbow connected with, with Keenan said it forced Keenan off a, for, for a, a fail take I, I presume. we don't know for sure but he didn't come back on but to me it was a red I thought, England's discipline was poor all day, he's a little bit unlucky, look, there's a lot of moving parts, maybe a yellow would have sufficed, but I, my instinct was red, and then for, for Willis to do what he did, when the game was still there to be won, yeah. their discipline was terrible today, and that, that's what let them down. because they were really good in every other facet of the game, but I told Toge giving away a penalty on Ireland's five metre line early on, they had Ireland in places they didn't want to be, but they let them out with their own discipline, that just shows maybe where they are in their, their own cycle of development, and they I mean, they can't really see this as a false dawn because they
2: still have an, an awful way to go. They still lost four tries to one despite, you know, performing today. Yeah. They, they only won two, sorry, they only won two games out of five for the third year in a row. So, like, yeah. that is, a like, for English rugby to be like that, I and mean, it's interesting that you touch on Steve Borthwick. I agree, I find him strange enough kind of stuff that he comes out with, like, and he interrupted Owen Farrell a couple of times tonight, and I was out at the press conference on Thursday, and... You know, just trying to ask him a simple question about Andy Farrell. And I don't know, I'm not saying he read the piece, but I, I noticed tonight he was very quick to jump in and praise Andy Farrell because I just thought it was bizarre, really. But. Because you
0: said in that piece that he didn't praise. <laughs> he, it was given to him on a plate Yeah, exactly. Yeah, three there, yeah. different
2: times. And I'm mean, you're not looking for, you know, anyone to go over top. But, like, the guys played together, they coached together, you know, with the Lions. But, um,. I think it just sums up maybe the different type of characters that they are. Like Irish rugby is blessed to have Andy Farrell, like the job that he's done and the, the players that he's brought in. But um yeah, like old Farrell was a bit more blunt, you'd have to say, in his assessment of the, the Freddie Stewart's decision. Like it, it, it was tough, but I kind of agree with Andy Farrell, like that's a letter to the law. I was in the pitch at the end, like I said, and I saw Hugh Keenan and thankfully he was walking around so he seemed okay, but he suffered a head injury, that didn't come back, and this is what world rugby are trying to stamp out. So I know lots of people will say the game has gone soft, and it's a rugby incident. And while lots of times I hate that term, perhaps that was a little bit more of a rugby incident, and it did look worse when it slowed down. But if you want to stamp it out, you got to change players' behaviour. And I know it was a split second thing, but I just thought it was the elbow and that movement as well, which was really dangerous. I just can't imagine. Andy Farrell talking
1: over Johnny Sexton mm. in the way that Steve Borthwick talked over uh, Andy oh, well, Farrell. You give
0: us an example. So the was,
1: was, during, yeah. during the press conference, he was, uh, Ong Farrell was asked two questions, one about his dad and one about uh, the referee and like Farrell was an experienced t- test centurion who's his captain his country long before Steve Borthwick became his coach. Um, mm-hmm. And is well able to handle big issues like he's, he's been in he's, enough up hot water do you think he was trying
0: to save or I, something I think or so he, yeah exactly. Farrell
1: doesn't need a save <laughs> you know and, and look Sexton, Sexton actually touched on the fact that his dynamic with Farrell over the years has, has a, at times been difficult the time he threw the toys out of the pram in, in Paris and he admitted that he said it was the low point of his of his captaincy but Farrell stood by him and, he, and like they're, I think they're really really tight but there's a trust there Farrell listens to Sexton he respects him he empowers him Portwick is a bit Reminds me a little bit of, of Schmidt in that way and that he, I think he wants to control everything. He didn't want Farrell to say something that might get him in hot water down the line. He's a big boy, yeah. you better let him talk. You know, he's well able for it, he's the captain of England. He just dropped him a week ago as well so maybe don't you know, try and diminish him in front of the, the world's media. Just It's a small thing but it's, just, it's an example again and of course it's his first couple of months as an international coach. Danny Farrell's had two years of difficulty before he he became this old conquering hero that we're all talking about, Max and Eric about, it does take time, but there's just bits about Boreswick that I I just, leave me, leave me, leave me kind of wanting more, you know, I just, I don't see it necessarily, but then, maybe I didn't see it with Farrell at the either
0: but it was also that time after the, their defeat to Scotland where he said there was nothing right with, or everything was wrong with this England team like I mean what a thing to come out with
2: yeah there, that's definitely a sense that I'm getting there's a bit of like I, I just think it's bizarre there's a bit of like poor us poor England I got that sense on Thursday as well because he brought up Leinster off his own bat, and you know he didn't say it obviously like explicitly but the kind of the underlying tone was well like well there's 12 Leinster players in the starting Ireland team today and I was like how are we supposed to compete with that whereas for years Saris, like. England's success was based on Saracens, and just because the Premiership is overhyped and like in dire straits at the moment, like on and off the pitch, I would say in terms of finances and in terms of like because there's no relegation in the Premiership, we're seeing these massive high-scoring games, but that doesn't translate to, to test level, especially or like only if you consider like France hockey in England at home. But in terms of these like massive seesaw games, I don't think that's good preparation for for test rugby. I think guys like Alex Donbrand in particular, like just. I, like, I just think they're overhyped and I think that's a product of the Premiership being overhyped but I did get, get kind of get that sense off Bortwick again in the post-match press conference that you know he doesn't want to look into the past in terms of what was done but there was definitely kind of a sense that you know well the damage has already been there and I'm the one trying to repair it so um, they've got a massive job in their hands now what I would say is they're on the good side of the World Cup draw and mm-hmm. um, a couple of tricky games but compared to what Ireland are going to have to come through so by the time they get to the knockout stages, they could have their house in order. That's one thing I would say in their favour to draw.
0: Okay, let's bring it back to Ireland before we go. Um Dan Sheen just he's just not a bad player, is he, really?
1: Decent, isn't he? Like um I mean uh, there's a couple of incredible athletic specimens in the Ireland team, yeah. the Ireland pack, and Baird and Sheehan are probably the two greatest examples. I mean, I don't think many hookers it was a very cleverly worked move, you know, that um, Josh Vanderfair plays off the back of the mall. he brings Don Brandt, who I agree is a bit of a showbomb with him, and he throws the pass in behind into the space, and and Sheehan goes through the space that Don Brandt left behind, but he had the pace to finish it, and that's, like, not many hookers in the world can do that, and anything like Ronan Keller, who doesn't have the same pace, but has an unbelievable physical attributes himself. Is injured and Rob Herring comes on and scores a very different try, but a very—he's you know, a habit of scoring very important tries.
2: Third test in New Zealand, wasn't it? The way yeah. he kind of peeled off the ball. Some people might say it's slightly too early, but at both occasions he <laughs> got yeah. over the yeah. line. But
1: like, it's an, like he, he's a, a a big contributor to this as well. And he, he doesn't have the, the smarts or the, sorry, the 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 speed and the athletic prowess, but he's a very important player. So you have a, a real array of talent. But they're deep. Like they use three hookers through the tournament, three tight heads. I think uh, three loose heads. Three of almost everywhere. I think uh, even out half and um, scrum half. Three of everywhere. Mm-hmm. They've got depth, and that's when we start thinking about the World
2: Cup. But I'm, like I know people might get annoyed us for looking forward, but it's like, it's hard not to get excited. It is but if, if like Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton are. They already, mentioned this. In they thing, mentioned it yeah. like off their own bat, yeah. like that. There's bigger fish to fry. Johnny Sexton finished his press conference saying, "Roll on the World Cup." So it's not like the media are driving this World Cup. Thing. And I think today is a really good dry run for a quarter because because
1: that's about as much pressure as they're ever going to be under waking up in the shell this morning uh, you know, day after St. Patrick's Day, knowing that there's fifty two thousand people not like there wasn't one English crowd in the crowd for a lot less than than yeah. normal, probably because of last week and the fact that hotel prices are off the charts. I wonder if Matt Hansen see a
0: outside his
2: hotel room. Uh, I wonder done. yeah, I wonder <laughs> if Mark Hansen let <laughs> you won't be talking to well he did talk to us today, I was surprised they let him loose again. Yeah, but, geez, but uh, and, uh, for anyone uh, look out on independent.ae for his latest quotes, they're pretty spicy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: but the... the um, like the, the pressure today, we, it, got them, it definitely got through. Mm. They, they weren't as fluid, they were jittery in the first half, they made a lot of mistakes. The wingers, you know, James Law was forcing things, like loads went wrong today, and they still found their way through. But the, the quarter final against France or New Zealand, if they get there, as long as presumably they get over that Scotland game and South Africa and all those things that are the speed bumps along the way, it's going to be exactly the same thing. they are going to wake up that morning knowing that they'd never, no Irish team has ever done this before. The, the hopes of an entire nation are going to be raised by what's happened in the Six Nations, but also will be on their shoulders. But they've been through that now, they've been through it in New Zealand, they, 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 like, they've
2: ticked off so many Is boxes.
0: Is it the best Irish team ever? Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Keen, what you think? Kim? Yeah,
2: I think so too. And I also think winning in Dublin, I totally agree with Rudd. Like that brings a way different pressure than winning a third test in New Zealand for all different reasons, because they were at the other side of the world, there was only a couple of thousand Irish people over there, lots of them expats but doing it in the week that it was with all the hype, like we spoke about it during the week in terms of like the ticket requests and all that. So that brings a different kind of pressure and they didn't play well and they still came through it. So it can only go well for the future.
0: Okay, well, Keen and Rory, thanks a million for joining me tonight. We are off to enjoy the celebrations with the rest of uh, Dublin City. Will and Luke will be back uh, next week to review the game again. Thanks for listening.
1: All the work you put in and then come and actually do it i think it'll take a while to say again i'm sort of soaked in the atmosphere and now i'm gonna go see my family my friends and i'm gonna have a good night the six nations on the left wing podcast rate review and follow the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
2: this is an irish independent
0: podcast